Welcome to the Legacy Nashville podcast. We are so grateful that you've taken the time out of your day or night to tune in. We pray that this message encourages you to love God, love people, and change the world. Now, let's get to the message. Y'all ready to get to work? Let's do it. Okay, we have a lot of scripture today, which that's not abnormal, but today we are going to read 22 verses of scripture to get started. We're a house that loves the word of God. Amen. Let's stand up. We're going to read together. Uh, We're turning in our Bibles to Acts chapter four. We're going to read from verse one all the way to 22. Uh, We have a pretty interesting uh, story to read together and somewhat of a hard task to tackle because today we're talking about what happens after the breakthrough, which so often is pushback. Y'all ready? All right. Acts chapter four, verse one starts here. It says, and as they were speaking to the people, the priest and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the word believed And the number of the men came to about 5,000. Somebody say revival. 5,000 people get saved and set free in one day. Come on. And on the next day, their rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with Annas, the high priest, and Caphias, and John, and Alexander, and all who were of the high priestly family. And when they had set them in the midst, they inquired, By what power or by what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, hallelujah, said to them, rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed? Let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Woo, that's good. That's real good right there. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. But seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. But when they had commanded them to leave the council, they conferred with one another saying, what shall we do with these men? For that a notable sign has been performed through them is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem and we cannot deny it. But in order that it may spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. 
So they called them and they charged them not to speak or to teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. And when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people, for all were praising God for what had happened. For the man on whom this sign of healing was performed was more than 40 years old. Today, we're going to talk about pushback and persecution. All right, that's the title of the message today, Pushback and Persecution. Uh, Stay standing. Let's pray together. We say, Lord, we want to say thank you for standing with us in the midst of pushback and persecution. Lord, we want to start by praying over the persecuted church all around the world. Lord, we plead the blood of Jesus over those that are in danger of violence today because they are bearing witness to the name of Jesus. Lord, we pray over those in all the closed nations, all of those who are in danger of martyrdom today. Would you just intervene as we intercede and protect them and bless them. And Lord, we pray over the church uh, all throughout closed nations in the 1040 window and in the Middle East, God, that you would raise up revivalists and reformers in Jesus name so that they might preach the gospel with holy boldness like Peter and John and see revival like the early, early church in the book of Acts. Lord, we ask that you bless the word, bless our time, bless me as I minister and help us to talk about pushback and persecution in a way that glorifies Jesus. And the church said, amen, amen. amen. You can be seated. You can be seated. All right. So what we're doing actually this week is we're picking up where we left off last week. How many of you were here last week? A lot of you guys. Welcome back. So last week we talked about a supernatural miracle. In fact, it was the very first recorded, uh, articulated supernatural miracle in early, early church history in the book of Acts, right? So you have Peter, you have John, two apostles of the Lord Jesus. They are going to the temple at the hour of prayer, 9 a.m. in the morning. There's a lame man that is sitting at the gate called Beautiful asking for charity And then Peter says, look at us. We don't have any silver or gold, but what we do have, we give it to you right now. Be healed in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. The man who hasn't walked since birth receives supernatural strength in his legs, in his ankles. And he jumps up, starts leaping and praising God because he's been healed. And as a result of that supernatural miracle, there is now an uproar all throughout the entirety of the city. I mean, there's drama happening right now, right? Which this is pretty common. It seems as though right after breakthrough, there is always drama. Have you guys noticed that in your own life? But not everybody's mad, right? Like the religious people, they're all mad, uh, really mad, big mad. Big mad. Uh, The Bible says they were greatly annoyed, which I read that as they were big mad. And, and so they're, they're, they're big mad. And, uh, but they're mad. And then you got a whole lot more people rejoicing because, because the miracle has produced a message and given Peter the opportunity to preach. And when he preaches 
5,000 people receive the word, come to faith in Jesus and get saved. But the message does not come without resistance. And for the revolutionaries in the room, you got to hear this today. I'm telling you, this sermon is for you. For all the forerunners in the room. I'm telling you, this message is for you, for all the missionaries, for all the pioneers, for all the world changers, for all of you in the room that say, I'll go in first. This message is for you because you have to remember it is the tip of the spear that faces the most resistance. If you're going to be a world changer, you're going to come in hot. You're going to come in first and you're going to come in. You're going to come in bleeding. I'm telling you the truth because it's impossible to be cutting edge and not bleed. That's just the way it works. And so Peter stands up. He preaches the gospel. He's the pioneer. And of course, we look at him today, man. We honor St. Peter, don't we? I mean, we got charms with St. Peter. You know what I mean? It's like, man, he's the man. But consider what it was that he experienced right after this major breakthrough. Revival's happening. 5,000 people get saved. And the religious people, they stand up and they start to bring pushback and they start to bring persecution. And I'm reading this this week and I'm like... Hold on. This is not unique to Peter and John. This seems pretty consistent all throughout my life. I can testify to this, that anytime I experience revival, pushback's on its way. Have you guys noticed that? Anytime you experience a blessing, what is it about the enemy that he attacks right away? Anytime a church experiences an outpouring, it's so common for pushback and persecution to follow the blessing. And sometimes that's confusing because, you know, my Bible says I go from glory to glory to glory to glory. And so once I experience one breakthrough, you know what I'm expecting? Another breakthrough. But before I get that other breakthrough, it's like the enemy says, hold on, wait a minute. This guy's taking my territory. And I don't know if you guys realize this or not, but Pharaohs don't like being told what to do principalities and powers are pretty invested in their territory and they ain't giving up space without a fight. So if you're in here and you're you're like, I want to be blessed. You know what you're also saying? I want to go to war. I'm ready to fight. I'm ready to scrap. I'm ready to get after it. For the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence and the violent take it by force. I don't know about you guys, but I'm not just waiting on my next blessing or breakthrough. I'm ready to take, take that next blessing or breakthrough. But I also have to understand that when I receive the breakthrough, the enemy is following up not far behind. It's like whenever Joshua received that glorious prophetic word. You guys remember it? Joshua chapter one, the Lord was like, I am with you. You are awesome. You are amazing. You are anointed. No one will defeat you, right? These are the prophetic words that we get at conferences. And we're excited about the prophetic words, but we don't realize the reason why we receive prophetic words. I've come to learn that the reason I receive a prophetic word is because I'm about to need it. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Cause you get that prophetic word. You're like, oh yeah, that's awesome. Let's go. And I'm sure that's how Joshua felt. You know, like he was dancing. He was like, that's right. We're about to take the territory for the Lord. But what happens over the next 13 chapters of Joshua? He has to defeat 31 Kings. 
31 kings. That's a lot of kings, man. Always a few more than you want to fight. But that's what I've noticed is that anytime you experience personal revival, anytime you experience blessing, anytime you experience breakthrough, the enemy is not far behind your blessing because he's going to come and try to test the seed that has been sown by the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I realize I'm like, okay, yeah, that, that makes sense. That happens to me. Yep. Lord, I'm reading this this week. I'm like, that's right. Man, the enemy's always coming to push back. Every time there's blessing, it happened for us whenever we moved into this building. The first weekend we were in this building, I was over here praying, Lord, it might have been better if we just stayed over there. Telling you the truth, man. Like we went viral, but for the wrong reasons. People were so mad. Big mad. They were calling the cops on us every service. You guys parking all over the place. They're just mad, you know, and uh, I, I was genuinely thinking, man, maybe I don't want to inhabit this land. You know what I mean? Because there's like 31 kings over here, man. And I, I was pretty comfortable in the old blessing. I was, I was pretty comfortable in that old breakthrough. But then I was reminded of what I thought about previously, which was, no, no, we're going from glory to glory to glory to glory. Sometimes it's like we're chasing that next glory. And sometimes the Holy Spirit's like, you're going to get that next. We're going. No, Holy Spirit, I want to stay back there. No, no, there's some kings out here. We're going to go from glory to. You know what I'm talking about? One way or the other, you will get more glory. But you, you know what I also realized? Is that whenever we experience pushback and persecution as a result of our breakthrough, so often it's your own people. Because the people who brought pushback and persecution to Peter wasn't some atheist folks. It was the people who belonged to their same religion at the time that confessed to be worshiping God. Now, I don't know if this is, I don't know if it's been like this for you in your own life, but I'm recognizing that it's not uncommon for the pushback and the persecution that you experience to come from people who confess to worship God. I'm talking about the people that go to church with you. I'm talking about the people who, who, who say, I'll be praying for you talking about the people that you went to Sunday school with or that you went to prayer meeting with or that you attended conference with or that said, hey, I'm for you, I'm for you, I'm for you. And then you got the blessing that they wanted and now all of a sudden they're... I don't know, what, I don't know what's going on with them. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to preach to myself today. Maybe it's only me that has experienced that, but that's exactly what the, uh, the apostles they're experiencing because they have all these religious people, people who said, I confess to worship God. And, and, and they're all bringing attack to the apostles. And this is like a laundry list of religious people in here, verse one through verse six, we see the priest, we see the captain of the temple. We see the Sadducees. We see the rulers. We see the elders. We see the scribes. We see, uh, Annas, we see Caiaphas, we see all of them assembled together in violent opposition to two people. 
And these two people are not even qualified. Did you hear what they said about them? These are just a couple of uneducated fishermen. And we got all of our religious power and prowess and we are violently opposing these two apostles. And so you got the whole council, which they call the Sanhedrin, and uh, they're ready to push back and they're ready to persecute these two men of God. Why are they so heated? That's a question. Why are they so heated? Why do you think? I mean, is it because a supernatural miracle was worked? Because that's not really all that abnormal. If you read throughout the scriptures, you'll recognize that God has consistently moved through his prophets with supernatural miracles. That's not exactly why the priests are so perturbed. The reason why the religious rulers are so mad is not because the miracle took place, but because it took place in the name of Jesus. And that's painful. You know why that's painful? Because these men have made a ministry out of projecting when the Messiah is going to show up. They've made a ministry about uh, being biblically prepared for when the Messiah is going to show up. And now they're having to come to terms with, we may have just missed and murdered the Messiah that we've been preparing for our entire ministries. Ouch, that stings. It hurts to be wrong. Especially religious folks. We hate being wrong. Have you guys noticed that? No, okay. So just me. All right, okay. I told you, I'm preaching to myself. It's okay. But it's so interesting to me. These men are so mad uh, because the miracle's taking place in Jesus' name, and God has chosen to work through a couple of uneducated fishermen. And they have to push back. They have to persecute because they're in this place of like, maybe, maybe we're wrong. Maybe we're wrong. Maybe, maybe, maybe we missed it. Maybe we don't actually know what we're talking about as much as we thought that we did. And it's hard to watch God work through people that you believe he'd never be caught dead around. You you ever had that feeling of frustration? We're like, God, I can't believe you're working through them. I can't believe you're blessing them. They were mean to me. I can't believe you're building up their ministry. I can't believe you're blessing their platform. I can't believe they're getting the advancement that I wanted. They didn't answer my call. They didn't text me back. They were rude to me at a party. You you know what I'm saying? And and, and so they're experiencing these feelings of like, we've made a ministry out of, out of, out of giving the people reasons why this guy's not the Messiah. And now all of a sudden I've got these two uneducated fishermen that don't look like us, that haven't learned like us, that are not qualified like we're qualified. And they're healing a guy who has been sick and lame since birth in the name of the dude that we just killed. Ouch. That hurts to be starting to examine your own heart, doesn't it? It's like, man, what if I missed it? What if I'm wrong? What if I didn't know what I was talking about? Uh, you see, they couldn't wait on the fruit. They couldn't wait for it to examine the fruit, which is something I found interesting about this story is that they were just trying to hurry up and persecute, hurry up and push back, hurry up and attack, hurry up and arrest. They couldn't wait on the fruit. Although the fruit Uh, of Jesus's ministry is now on display through the disciples and the healing of the lame man. They didn't, they couldn't wait on the fruit. 
and, and as, as I was thinking this week about uh, uh, this week about religious people, I was like, man, religious people are so impatient. Have you guys ever noticed that? Just, just, they're so impatient. They, they never want to wait for the fruit. They never want to wait for a ministry to play out. They never want to wait to hear you out when you're like, hey, I felt like God told me this. No, he didn't. Shut up. We're shutting you down. We ain't going to wait. You don't know about God. I know about God. You don't know about God. I've been studying the Bible since you were in Pampers. You guys, now, uh, who's experienced that in here before? I, you don't know about God. You don't know, you don't know what you're talking about. I've been doing this. I've been, been doing this since you was knee high to a duck. That's what they say in Kentucky. God ain't moving through you. God ain't working through, that's hype. That ain't Holy Ghost. Don't think I haven't heard all this because I've heard all this, all this plenty of times. If I had time, which I don't, but if I had like a week, like a week, I could give you all of the times and recount the stories of when I saw God bless me and do something amazing around me. And I was so excited and so pumped up. And then I was going to go share with the people that I thought, man, these guys are really into church. You know, these... And they're like, Mm-mm, we ain't celebrating that. Anybody ever been there before? Experience pushback and persecution. You're like, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. Oh yeah, God's moving. And then what happens on the other? Nope, that's not God. And, and, and I realized like, this is literally the MO of religious people. They're so impatient. They never wait to inspect the fruit of anybody's ministry. They just shut everybody down and shut everybody up because they love a move of God, but only moves of God that come through them. That's the thing about religious folks. They're like, yeah, I'm all about the move of God. So long as it comes through me. But if it comes through anybody else, I'm going to shut it down. I'm going to shut it up because that ain't the Lord. Because he didn't check with me before he did it. But they've been doing this for a long time. Think about John the Baptist, right? John the Baptist is out there. He's preaching the truth. He's saying, hey, prepare. I'm the forerunner. I'm the pioneer. I'm the tip of the spear. I'm the revolutionary. I'm the missionary. Right? That's what he's doing. He's out there preaching the gospel. You better repent because Messiah is on his way. But what did they say? Shut up. Sit down. Look how you dress. Isn't it amazing that God will work and move through people who don't dress like you? I don't know who needs to hear that, but somebody needs to hear that this morning. Ain't no way that dude could preach. Look at his pants. He got on some bell bottoms up there. There's no way. Right? I mean, that John the Baptist is out there in a camel hair tuxedo preaching the gospel of the kingdom and you got revival taking place and they're out there judging his outfit. You know, obviously like he, he wasn't necessarily dressed very nice, but what about the people who are? God couldn't be moving on them. Look at Bishop T.D. Jakes. He got a Burberry bag. There's no way God would anoint somebody who would buy a designer. Here, man, leave the man alone. Can we stop doing that? Sheesh. So he said, Not only is he dressed weird, but he's eating weird stuff. This man out here's got a weird diet. God can't be working through that man. He's got a weird diet. He's eating weird stuff. He's dressing weird. He's preaching weird. And he's preaching in weird locations. God doesn't move out in the wilderness. God moves in our type 
of temples, with our type of religious structures, with our type of service flows, with our type of three songs, and then the offering, and then the announcements, and then the preaching. There's no way that God would ever move through a prophet doing something different. Nope. Cut him off. Cut him down. Cut his head off. Stop him from talking. We can't look at the fruit of his ministry because it might prove us to be wrong. Man, this is the thing about religious people. They love being right, but they don't love truth. In fact, the only reason they love truth is because they love being right. Well, I love the word. I love the Bible. I love it. I love, I, you know, that, that's why. Because they love being right. It's, it's not about being convicted and corrected by the truth. But it's about hunting for the scriptures that will solidify and reaffirm what they already believe about them to be true so that they can stay being right. And it's an impossible uh, situation for a religious person to wrestle with being wrong because it's not about their perspective, it's about their person. Their identity is so wrapped up in being right that they cannot acknowledge God moving through anybody else because then they're gonna have to wrestle with the fact that they might be wrong sometimes. You know what I'm talking about in here, church. You're like, hey, listen, man, you, you might be wrong. I'm not wrong. I'm never wrong. I know what I'm doing. I've been doing this longer than you. Yeah, but, you know, my Jesus, the one I read about in the Gospels, you know, in the same book that you got, he was always hanging out with the people that you would say he shouldn't be, like prostitutes and lepers and poor people and atheists and tax collectors and robbers and sinners. And he was hanging out with all those people. So why would you think he wouldn't hang out with me? John the Baptist, shut him up, shut him down. And then when Jesus was brought to trial, you got Annas, you got Caiaphas. They had him condemned to death on the testimony of false witnesses because, because they knew there's no way they could let an honest person on the witness stand because they wouldn't find any fault in Jesus if they did. So they had him condemned to death on the testimony of false witnesses. And they're like, hey, we're right. They're wrong. We're right. They're wrong. Let's hurry up. Let's get this trial going. Let this, let's get this guy processed. Because it's time to get him executed. We don't need to wait and see what's going on with the fruit of his ministry. Let's go ahead and kill our challenger. We're right, you're wrong. That's, that's religious folks, right? They violated their own laws in order to get Jesus cru- crucified quicker. I, I've noticed this about religious people. They're, they're, they're so right that, that even their own scriptures can't correct them. But, but what about this? You don't know about that scripture. Bye. <laughs> Am I the only person that's had experiences like this? Okay. I I don't know. I just didn't know if I'm still preaching to myself. But these guys, they were the loudest people at the trial of Jesus. Crucify him. Crucify, you know, we'll take Barabbas. Kill him. Because we're right and he's wrong. We're right. We think we're right. We're probably right. Might be right. They're struggling with that on the inside. We hope we're right. Man, I, whew, what would it be like? We can't, we can't even imagine a world in which we're wrong. Get this guy. Kill him. Kill him. You, you guys get the picture, right? And, and so I'm, I'm seeing the Sanhedrin and I'm realizing, man, this is what we all experience when we have breakthroughs in our life, when we have blessings in our life. Pushback's always around the corner. Pushback and persecution is always around the corner. It is. 
And so often it comes through religious people. It co- Sometimes it be your own people, man. And we have to be mindful of this and we have to recognize. And I'm not saying point people out all the time and be like, you're a religious devil. That's not what I'm saying, dude. But I'm hoping to equip you with a couple of tools to recognize when the religious spirit is coming against you after your blessing. Because it will happen. And and I I think it's really important for us to uh, for us to normalize attack. All right. Uh, Hear me out. But I think, unfortunately, 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 some people are so filled with the prosperity gospel that when they go through attack, they completely doubt God's love for them. I would never go through hard stuff if I'm a believer. You've obviously only been saved for two hours. (laughs) Guaranteed. Because you're going to go through hard stuff. Jesus never promised you your safety. Think on it. Jesus never promised you your safety, but he did promise you his presence. He said, I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to forsake you. You may not understand why you're going through uh, pushback and persecution after a blessing, but know this, you're not going through it by yourself. I'm with you. I'm with you. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. My presence is with you. My presence is your portion. My presence is your protection. Doesn't matter who says what, doesn't matter who does what, I am going to take my stand with you. And I think we need to normalize, uh, I think we need to normalize attack. Because as long as you're doing anything for God, here's what I can guarantee. There's always going to be somebody that becomes jealous. I, I feel like I'm stepping on some toes today and being kind of mean. This is a hard message to preach, but I, I genuinely believe that that's going to be the case. In fact, if you look at Matthew uh, chapter 27, you'll see the whole reason for Jesus's crucifixion. The reason why the religious leaders had him arrested and crucified was because of, what does the Bible say? Envy. Matthew chapter 27, verse 18. He knew very well that the religious leaders had arrested Jesus out of envy. And if you're going to be greatly used by God, you've got to prepare yourself for, for some jealousy from other people. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. So I, I, think, I, I think, to be honest, we, we have to normalize. We have to normalize attack. And, and I'm not trying to shortchange attack. I'm not, trying to, I'm not trying to make something small out of something that actually is really painful because we've all been through an attack and it is really hard. And, and my pastor, uh, Pastor Suber in Texas, he used to tell me, he said, that, that right there, son, it, that's prophetic backlash. And whiplash hurts. I don't know if you ever had whiplash before, but you, you go through blessing, you go through breakthrough and then boom, you go through trial, right? You, you, you go through blessing, everything seems to be going good. And then boom, washer and dryer breaks, boom, basement floods, boom, car gets broken into, you guys guys know what I'm talking about. It happens. It it, it happens. And I, I think we need to normalize it a little bit. And the reason for that is because if we are aware of what the enemy wants to do, right? Paul said, do not let Satan outwit you. We cannot be ignorant of his schemes, meaning we cannot be unlearned about how the enemy works. 
And he, he's, he's always been doing the same stuff throughout the entirety of your life. You've only been struggling truly with the same sin over and over again because the enemy is not a creator. He's an imitator. And even when Paul said, I want you to lay aside the weight that besets you and the sin that's holding you back. Notice he didn't say sins, plural. He just said sin because the enemy's not a creator. All he can do is bring that old sin back around to you that he's watched you struggle with for years. He ain't got nothing new to come against you with. So he keeps coming back at you with that same old thing. That's it. That's why they call it a familiar spirit because you're familiar with it. Oh, I know you. Oh, you're trying to get in here and rob this blessing, this breakthrough. Get out of here in the name of Jesus. So, so we see so you have, we have, we have to normalize it because we have to know that it's coming. I, you know, I wish I had this real nice message for you today. Like, Hey man, nothing's ever going to go bad for you. Uh, you're going to be blessed. Hallelujah. Here's seven steps to becoming more successful and becoming a millionaire. Amen. That'd be great. But here's the thing. If you are blessed, you will be attacked. I wish I had something nicer to preach. I, I'm serious. I, I really, I, I wish I had something better. But if you are blessed, you will be attacked. The enemy will try to come against you. And I think that we need to normalize it because we need to understand that this will happen. And I know it's confusing because you're like, okay, well, I was going after God. I was blessing people. I was doing all the right things. I don't understand why I'm being attacked now. But that's just the way that it works. That's the way that it happens. And we can't look at it and think that it's abnormal because Jesus actually prophesied this type of pushback in our lives, right? Jesus literally promised that we would experience persecution in this life. Whenever he gave his like inaugural address, like the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter five, he's going through the Beatitudes. He gets to a verse 11. What does he say? He said, blessed are you. Everybody say, I'm blessed. When others revile you and they persecute you and they utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. I know they're lying on you, but receive it as blessing. I know they're talking bad about you, but receive it as blessing. No, I'm following God. I'm in the will of God. I'm doing what God has told me to do. Therefore, every bit of pushback is really just my blessing. That's me. What if God lets you experience attack so that you can be refined to increase your proximity to him and what's actually in you can be revealed? Because revelation is not real until it's tested. You don't believe what you think you believe until you've had to carry it through a storm. Because I'm telling you right now, the devil is not afraid of a word you don't believe. <laughs> when you're in the midst of a storm, you can't share secondhand. Well, my pastor said, you're going to have to get out of here. In Jesus' name. Well, my Sunday school teacher told me once upon a time that you guys know exactly what I'm talking about. Because when you're confronted face to face with a demon, what you actually believe comes to the surface. That's the truth. That's the truth. So I think every now and then, like, you remember, you remember when the Holy Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness? 
Sometimes I think it's for us. Because God's like, I want you to have more revelation about what I put in you. So I'll let you walk through the wilderness. I'll let the 31 kings come against you. I'll let the religious people push back. I'll let the, you know, people who think they're doing God's will persecute you. That, that stuff may happen. That may happen. But I want you to understand what I've put in you. Because God never makes a demand where he hasn't first made a deposit. You, you just have to know God never makes a demand where he has not first made a deposit. You know, I don't roll up to the ATM like the teller window and I'm like, yo, let me get 500 K cash. I wish I could do that. But you know why I can't? Because I never put it in there. And so if I pull up, hey, yeah, can I get a cashier's check for 500,000? Look at me like I'm crazy. Or you never made a deposit. So I can't make the withdrawal. And so I just really believe that the reason why we experience the demand and the pull and the tug. And some of you guys are going through that right now where you're like, oh, I feel like God's put me in a situation in which I'm being pulled on. It's because he knows what he put in you. He never makes a demand where he has not first made a deposit. You should let your storm inform you of what's actually in you. And and I'll, I'll tell you, like my pastor told me. Son, the greater the attack, the greater the anointing. That's what he'd tell me. The greater the attack, the greater the anointing. That's just prophetic backlash right there. The attack is a testimony, son. It's a testimony. The devil's overplayed his hand. He's telling you what you got in you. Because I I think it's the same way with the enemy, right? He attacks at the level that he discerns there is a deposit. And so he knows I got to send more forces against her. I got to send some more demons against him. Because if demons are fallen angels, then I would have to think that they understand the language of the other angels. I don't know. It's just a thought. It's just a theory, you know? And so God's up there. Can I go with this just for a second? So God's up there. He's telling his angels, right? We have, we have ministers of fire. We have angels on assignment, right? That's what the Bible says that are with us. And God's like, I, this is my assignment that I got for my boy. This is the assignment I got for Thomas. We're going to do this and it's like, we'll do that in his life. And I, I think the enemy is aware oftentimes of our assignments before we are. All right, it's just a thought. It's just a theory. He said, man, I got to come against Danielle. Harder in this season than I did in the last because I don't know if you heard what the angels were saying about her. It's just a thought. It's just a thought. It's just a theory. Everybody say it's just a theory. I don't know. It's just a theory. But Jesus said, blessed are you when others revile you. And then in John chapter 16, he says again, in the world, you will have tribulation. Did he say you might have tribulation? You won't have tribulation if you live in America? No, he said, you're going to have tribulation. It doesn't matter where you live. If you bear my name, you will have tribulation. Tribulation literally means persecution. And then Peter, who preached this message, he writes a little bit later in uh, chapter four, verse 12 of, of, of his letter, first Peter, he says, beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. This is normal Christianity. Test, trial, pushback and persecution is normal Christianity. 
And sometimes we do get blessed and, and it's amazing and it's awesome. And I believe we're more blessed than we are attacked. But like, you know, sometimes we do get to have caviar, but on certain days it's crust. Right? That's why Paul said, I know how to be blessed and I know how to be abased. I know how to live in luxury and I know how to go hungry. I know how to eat good and I know how to barely eat it all. But it doesn't matter the season of life I'm going through. It all pays the same. You know why? Because I got the presence. That's it. That's it. The presence is the prize. So here's the thing. I got four points, quick points, quick points that I want us to just normalize and understand as it pertains to pushback and persecution. Number one is this. Pushback isn't punishment. In my opinion, sometimes, church, it's a reward. Because the Bible teaches me that, that, that fruitfulness is rewarding with, rewarded with pruning. I'm going to try this out. So the Bible says fruitfulness is rewarded with pruning. So, so pushback isn't punishment. Just because you're going through pushback doesn't mean that you're in trouble with God. Jesus promised not only pushback in general, but he promised persecution specifically, at at least in this situation. If you look at Mark chapter 13, he says, but put on your guard for they're going to deliver you over to the councils. You're going to be beaten in synagogues. You will stand before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them. And then two verses later, he said, and when they bring you to trial to deliver you over, do not be anxious beforehand what you are to say, but say whatever is given to you in that hour, for it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. And that's why the Bible tells us in Acts chapter four, Peter's like, and I was filled with the Holy Spirit. So that's point two, Uh, stay dependent upon God through the trial. Don't just be dependent upon God for the blessing. Be dependent upon God through the trial. It's amazing to me that we'll be so dependent upon God to experience revival. We'll go through the satisfaction of breakthrough. And then when we go through a trial, we'll exchange our dependency on him and start to lean on other things. We'll start to lean on our own understanding, which the Bible tells us not to do. We'll start to lean on other people and not Jesus. How often have you been going through something hard and instead of praying, you called everybody on your favorites list? You know what I'm saying? Man, well, maybe my best friend will have something. Just pray. Man, maybe my dad will have something. Just pray. Man, maybe my, my counselor has something. Just pray first. I ain't got to go to the counselor. Call your dad. Call your pastor. Call your friends. But before you do any of that, go to Jesus first. You know why? Because you're not dependent on any man before you're dependent upon God. If he sustains you for the breakthrough, he'll sustain you through the storm. Stay dependent upon God throughout the attack. Lean on him. And uh, I don't know if you guys remember this or not. There's a book in the Bible called the Song of Solomon. All the married people in here said, amen. I can tell a lot of you guys ain't read the Song of Solomon. Um, It's freaky. Certain, certain portions in there, but it's sanctified. Hallelujah. Marriage bed's undefiled in Jesus name. And, um, <laughs> this, this sermon got off track, but in, in the song of Solomon, there's this verse that I've been thinking about recently. And in the song of Solomon it says, I came out of the wilderness leaning 
on my beloved. And that verse hit me because there's going to be times when we're going to go through storms and we're going to go through trials. We're going to go through wildernesses. Did y'all feel that? You can feel that, right? We're going to go through wildernesses, but we got to make it like the author of Song of Songs said, but I came out of the wilderness. I was leaning on my beloved. I was being carried by my beloved. I stayed dependent upon the Holy Spirit. Man, somebody's going through a wilderness right now. I feel it. I know. Some of you guys are like, I'm going through a wilderness right now. Stay dependent. Look at your neighbor and say, stay dependent. And then uh, here's point three. Point three is this. Pray in Jesus' name, releasing the power of Jesus. Okay. Now, I, I know this sounds simple, but it's become controversial. Pray in Jesus' name. We've been hitting on this for the last couple of weeks, and here's why. Because all throughout Acts chapter 3 and all throughout Acts chapter 4, um, Luke majors in the name of Jesus. He talks consistently about the name of Jesus. And I, I, want you to, I want you to see as you read through the book of Acts this summer, is that every sermon in the book of Acts is about the resurrected Jesus. The reason why the Sanhedrin were so angry is not because the man was healed, but because he was healed in the name of Jesus. And so we went through scriptures last week from Jesus talking about how we are to use his name to see breakthrough. But it's really important that we recognize that the way in which Peter preached to testify to the man's miracle was in the name of Jesus. And hell works really hard to ensure that you forget to use his name. It's become popularized today to not talk about God as Jesus, even by Christians. We've started substituting phrases like the divine. And I ain't got no problem with recognizing Jesus as being divine, but don't forget to say who it is that is divine. It is Jesus. It's not the universe. It's not some distant deity. It's not some unknown God. It's not an idol. It's not a statue. It's not something far off that we can't understand or comprehend or have relationship with. No, it's a man. His name is Jesus. He came 2000 years ago. He was crucified on the cross. And three days later, the man resurrected and gave us the authority and permission to use his name to release his resurrection life. We have to get this church. We cannot stop praising in the name of Jesus. We cannot stop praying in the name of Jesus. We cannot stop prophesying in the name of Jesus. We cannot stop praying over people for healing in the name of Jesus. You know what hell wants you to do? Just not say Jesus. You notice the religious people, they said, hey, go ahead. You can keep on preaching. Just don't preach in Jesus name. Go ahead. You can keep on praying. Just don't pray in Jesus name. Go ahead. You can keep on prophesying, but just don't prophesy in Jesus name. You see the old Testament prophets, they ministered in the name of the Lord God and the new Testament prophets, they ministered in the name of the Lord Jesus. Cause they knew where the power came from and that power comes from his name. And he has all kinds of titles, but the authority is not in the title. The authority is in the name. I don't sign my checks father, despite the fact that I'm a father. I don't sign my checks son because there's no authority in that title. I am a son, but I don't sign my checks that way. I don't sign my checks brother, despite the fact that I am a brother. I got three of them. I don't sign my checks pastor, despite the fact that, you know, I could say, yeah, I'm a pastor, man. I'm a leader. I'm, you know, there's no authority in my title. 
But when I go to endorse a check with authority so that a transaction can take place, I sign my name, my legal name. And that's what happens when we pray. We make transactions in the spirit and we do it all, not in the name of the titles, but in the name of the person, God, who is Jesus. Jesus. So don't stop praying in the name of Jesus. I know culture is going to tell you otherwise. You you ain't got to say Jesus. You see people accepting awards and, you know, we know they're Christian. Oh, man, praise God. No, man, just say it. Praise Jesus. It's Jesus, man, who did this. You you see athletes, you know, they got the trophy, man. Yeah, God bless me. No, Jesus bless you. If you're a Christian, say Jesus. Let the world know. Hell hates that. Demons' knees get to knocking together when you start preaching in the name of Jesus. I'm telling you, sickness has to bow. Every tongue has to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. They were not getting persecuted because of the miracle. They were getting persecuted because of the name. Hell knows where to direct its attack. And that's towards what's working. What's working, church? Jesus. And it's been working for 2,000 years. You might be unsure of yourself, but you're not unsure who God is. Jesus. You can be bold, not in your own strength, but in the name, which is Jesus. You may not have everything that you think that you need, but you have everything that you need in the name of Jesus. You may not feel prepared, but you can always be dependent on the name of Jesus. It's consistent. The government literally rests upon his shoulders. There's no other name where salvation can come through. Why would we even think to pray in any other name? Why would we think to transact spiritual business in any other name? All throughout the book of Acts, you see that Jesus is at the back of his name. His name literally replaces his person in Acts. I'm with you. I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to forsake you. Now I'm ascending to the father, but guess what? I'm giving you my name so that when you release my name, you, you release my resurrected power. See, no miracles could be done in the name of a dead man. And this is why the religious people were so upset because they had to wrestle with the fact that they might be wrong because whenever they release the name, they release the resurrection power. When you release the name, you release the resurrection power. Y'all ready for point four and we're done? Point four is this. Decide to rejoice no matter what. I mean, I, can I tell you what really, I mean, this just, whew, this burns hell's biscuits. <laughs> Joy. Especially when you're not supposed to. Especially when you have no reason to, especially when you have no excuse to, but I, 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 I know joy is an emotion, but joy, even the more so is a fruit. And the reason why the religious people can't have you waiting and they can't be patient and they don't want to inspect the fruit because they know one of those fruits is joy. They realize, man, I'm going to push back. I'm going to cut this off. I'm going to cut this down because I can't have the people of God, despite being persecuted, walking in joy. That's why the enemy doesn't want you having any fun in church. No fun. No singing. No lifting. No lifting hands. No happiness. No connection. Just... Church is boring. 
Jesus is boring. God is, that's, what the, that's what hell wants you to think. Right? Because the Bible says that the joy of the Lord is my... That's why the enemy comes so hard after joy in the church. Because he knows if he can get your joy, he can get your strength. And every now and then, I just practice in prayer laughing at Satan. And I know that sounds a little ridiculous, but I want to encourage you to try it out today if you're going through a trial. Ha! You thought you could defeat Jesus. Ha ha ha! It's hilarious, actually. Because the Bible says... Ha! I read the back of the book. We win. I grew up with three brothers. You know what really made me mad? When I was mad and they laughed at me. You want to know how to give the devil a headache? When he's working overtime to push you back after your blessing and you say, ha ha, I'm going to church. That's hilarious. That's hilarious that you think I would get distracted. Ha. I'm going into prayer. I'm going to prayer room. I'm going to prayer meeting. I'm going to get in the word. I ain't going to Netflix. I'm going to the Bible. Ha! I'm praying in Jesus' name. I'm moving in Jesus' name. I'm filled with the spirit in Jesus' name. I have every reason to have joy. I have every excuse to have joy because I got the Holy Spirit living on the inside of me. And I'm praising God in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand up. We're going to pray. Acts chapter 5 verse 41 said, Then they left the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. Rejoicing that they were counted worthy. James chapter 1 verse 2 says, Count it all. You got to say it with me. Count it all. Joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds and Acts chapter 4 verse 20 said for 21 said for all were praising God for what had happened notice they weren't praising Peter they weren't praising John they weren't praising their church they weren't praising their organization they weren't praising their nonprofit they weren't praising their ministry they weren't praising their platform they weren't praising their follower count they weren't praising their subs they weren't praising none of that stuff They weren't praising the salvations. They weren't praising the revival. They weren't praising the meetings. Notice, what were they praising? God. And when we do these things, we we recognize, hey, pushback, that's not persecution. That's, you know, pushback, it's not punishment. Pushback is not punishment. Pushback is not, it's not punishment. I'm walking in what God has called me to walk in. And I'm going to stay dependent no matter what. I'm going to stay dependent. And I'm going to keep praying in Jesus' name. I'm going to keep moving in Jesus' name. And I'm going to have joy through every trial. It doesn't matter what comes again. You know what happens? It glorifies God and people get real curious about what you've got. How can you have joy? How can you be celebrating? How can you go to church? How can you rejoice? How can you do these things? I'm coming out of the wilderness. Leaning on my beloved. Lord, we want to say thank you today for moving in our midst and giving us the endurance that we need to step through every storm. God, we thank you for the endurance. We thank you for the perseverance. 
We thank you for the love, for the blessing, for the outpouring. We thank you for the revival. And God, we recognize what you're doing in our midst. You are doing some awesome things in this house. You're doing some awesome things in our families. You're doing some awesome things through uh, so much around here, God. And we give you praise. But we also stand in prayer today and we say we will not be ignorant of the devil's devices. We know he's going to try to, you know, come against the work of God in our house. But we don't even need to take that personal. We know he's angry with Jesus and we look like Jesus and we pray in Jesus name. And so we rebuke the devil and we say, Satan, the Lord rebuke you. Satan, the Lord rebuke you. Satan, the Lord rebuke you. You'll not have my house. You'll not have my kids. You'll not have my health. You'll not have my church. You'll not have my neighborhood. Satan, the Lord rebuke you. We thank you, God, for the joy that you give us in the midst of the storm. I ask that you would increase the joy in this house. That you would increase the boldness in this house. That you would increase the favor in this house. We depend on you for it all, Lord. And we look to you for everything. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen, amen. Come on. on. Thanks for tuning in to the Legacy Nashville podcast. If you'd like to support the ministry, you can do so at LegacyNashville.org forward slash give. If you're listening on iTunes, log into the store and give us a good rating and review. This helps our podcast reach new people with the good news of Jesus Christ. Until next week, love God, love people, and go change the world.